Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of pewterreport.com it is a wednesday edition of the show we are back at our 4 p.m time slot because we don't want bucks fans to wait any longer than they possibly can we are extra energized today because it was day one of buccaneers training camp and shaq barrett is back as bucks camp Began. We have a whole lot of news and storylines to get into, so let's talk about it right away. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is the face that runs the place at pewterreport.com, SR, Scott Reynolds. And Scott, we were there. We got to be under some tents because the fans aren't coming until this weekend. But right. just great to have football again back in our lives. I know, again, it was the Underwear Olympics for the next couple of days. But when the pants yeah. get on, it's going to be that much better. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's it's three more days of OTAs, really, is what it is. It's the first day of training camp. They have this this uh, kind of integration period to uh, acclimate the players back from their summer breaks, and um, you know, and and have them kind of get running around in helmets and getting used to that before the pads come on on Sunday. So, uh, you know, it's interesting, right? Uh, first day of training camp. I can remember where the fans weren't there. But it's a Wednesday, right? So that's that's part of it. I think um, tough for fans to get off uh, work, and at the same yeah. time, why not just have the debut for the fans when the Buccaneers don the pads on Sunday, right? Because kids aren't in school, most people don't work. Mm-hmm. We're going to be working on Sunday. We're working uh, every single Bucks training camp practice, but that's when the pads come on. But today was a special day, Matt, because there were a couple surprises uh, in store. Uh, for us and, and it really it involved two players two players that have kind of been under the microscope this offseason for different reasons we have Devin White number 45 get live 45 had his helmet on today Damn. and he was raring to go he practiced which was a great sign we talked about it yesterday and we had hoped that Devin would just take the field and just put the contract uh you know dispute behind him and focus on football and then to have Shaq Barrett take the field and Matt he didn't just take the field he took the field by storm today Shaq Barrett was running around like he didn't ever tear that Achilles it was crazy how fluid and athletic and there was no hesitation and uh it it was a stark contrast to what we saw from OJ Howard who was coming off of an Achilles injury a couple years ago when he was with the Buccaneers 
We saw that hesitation. We saw him kind of baby that mm-hmm. leg. Shaq Barrett was playing with reckless abandon today, taking you know all of the starter reps in 11-on-11s. He was dropping into coverage and, uh, and really twisting and turning that ankle and exploding off of it. It was a great sight to see. It was all systems go for Shaq Barrett, which was super exciting, super encouraging, given everything that's gone on with Shaq Barrett. Real quick, I'll just start with Devin White. Yeah. And it was good to see him out there as well. It just makes me think a lot more about the initial trade requests and everything like that. I think Devin just let the emotions get the best of him. And I think if he would have just thought about it, maybe slept on it, given it 24 hours. Right. He would have never requested a trade in the first place. Just kind of felt a lot more like a, uh, you know, just kind of let his emotions become a little bit too much in in the public for everyone. But for Shaq Barrett, it was so, so interesting because it reminded me right away, if you remember when we had Jose Ramirez, the Bucks' uh, rookie outside linebacker that they yeah. drafted this year, we had a long conversation with him on the Pewter Report podcast about how outside linebackers, yes, they're going to rush the passer a yeah. fair amount, but they also have to drop back in coverage and, yes. and defend a little bit as well. And so we get the training camp, yeah. and after some stretching, you go into uh, some positional drills. and right. Peter Report was there to cover it, and we're covering everything. Quarterbacks, receivers, cornerbacks, yes. running, everything. And so we're all moving around, and then I go, you know what? I'm going to check out the uh, like the D-line and the outside linebackers. Right. And right as I get over there, the outside linebackers go into a drill where they are dropping back in coverage. And I thought right. to myself, I initially thought of that conversation we had with Jose Ramirez, and then I thought, wow, this is really going to test out Shaq Barrett and yeah. how he's going to look coming back from that torn Achilles. Well, and it's and one of those things, Matt, where it's like, you know, was he going to be held out of that drill? Were they going to kind exactly. of, you know, uh, I don't say baby him, but I mean, you know, kind of take baby steps, right? Because Ryan Jensen and, and Aaron Stinney coming off yeah. knee injuries, they were still held, held out of 11-on-11 uh, 11 11 team drills. Mm-hmm. They did individual. But with Shaq, with, with that type of drill you're talking about, with 11-on-11s, there was no holding back with this guy. Yeah, he no, he was playing the whole time, defense against the offense, vice versa. The individuals running back in coverage, like he wasn't just running in a straight line. He was running furiously, <laughs> yes. and he was cutting. He was moving in, yeah. in a bunch of different directions. We have the video. Let's just play it so the Peter people it. can see it because Shaq was flying. Remember, he's coming off of a torn Achilles that yeah. he rehabbed all of, most of last season and the entire offseason. Yeah. So we'll play it a couple times because it's a quick video. Right out of the gate, he's yeah. moving it, moving, cuts back, cuts forward, gets his hand on the football. Play it one more time for everybody. And just a reminder, Shaq is number seven this year. We didn't That's get right. the wrong player. He's number yeah. seven. He switched from 58 <laughs> uh, over to his new number. And sure, first day of training camp, first day of practice, but Scott, We've talked a lot about the uncertainty at outside linebacker, including Shaq Barrett. But if Shaq is looking like he is right now and he's ready to go yeah. by week one, he's not going to need as much of that, uh, you know, as much of that downtime to get back into the swing mm-hmm. of things in the regular season. He might be ready to go right away. 
Yeah, and Achilles injuries can be really tough to overcome, right? I mean, it's it's different than a knee injury, but we've seen even Chris Godwin, right? He he was not full go in training camp last year, held out of the preseason, then his debut was in week one in Dallas. And so very encouraging to see Shaq Barrett move the way he did. No limitations, no hesitation, and just decided full bore to go. And uh, we're not allowed to take video uh, and, and take pictures when the fans aren't there. Uh, the media is only allowed to get the first 20, 30 minutes of practice on video and and, uh, and pictures. So we don't have any of the 11 on 11 and the team stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, Shaq was just going right at Tristan Wirfs over and over and over mm-hmm. again and having some pretty good rushes. Is he back 100%? I don't think Shaq would, would say I'm, I'm back to where I was as a Pro Bowl double-digit sacker. But um, – he's on a, a very accelerated path, a path that I didn't think he was going to be on. Matt, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I don't think that we expected him to make this debut uh, so special today. We thought that maybe uh, based on Shaq's own words, he was on the loose cannons podcast when he said, I'm targeting yeah. week one to be able to come back. This guy looks like he could play in the first preseason game. It's just truly surprising for everything you said about that they held out Ryan Jensen. Understandably, I don't knock the Bucs yeah. at all for not playing Ryan Jensen full throttle on the first day of training camp. Same with Aaron Stinney. Russell Gage is still out. Russell Gage was the only player yeah. that uh, was not participating in practice today. And it's like, Shaq, all right, man, you're good to go. Like, welcome back yeah. to the field. And Russell Gage, Todd Bowles did say at the practice, again, the vagueness of Todd Bowles, yeah. never too high, never too low, said that he has a lower body extremity. That's yes. uh, the it's in- a hamstring injury, injury. That he's dealing with, yeah, a.k.a. Gotta, a hamstring. It's a hamstring injury, injury yeah. again, and that's not good. And this is an injury, Matt, that, that really has started. I mean, it took place in May before the OTAs yeah. even really started. So it happened, I believe, right before OTA started. So Russell Gage missed all of the OTAs. He missed all of the mandatory minicamp. And uh, according to my sources, he's going to miss the first week of training camp. And the expectation is that he'll take the field next week. Now, that could be as early as Sunday when the pads come on. But, you know, he, he's going to make the team, right? He's he's yeah. going to make the team. He, he's got his entire $7 million guarantee. That was part of the deal when the team – took three, $3 million worth of his salary in terms of a pay cut. They said, we're going to dock you $3 million uh, from your $10 million, but we're going to guarantee the seven. So he's going to be on this team. But the thing is, is with Russell Gage, Matt, imputer people, it doesn't necessarily mean he's locked into that number three spot because whether he's number three on the depth chart behind Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, whether he's six on the depth chart, and maybe Trey Palmer has passed him. Maybe Devin Tompkins has passed him. Uh, you got to pay him anyways. So it doesn't really matter where he is on the depth chart. And and uh, so he's going to make the team that's that's locked in. Now, next year, different story. But I'm just telling you, the longer this guy's out, uh, we, we've seen Cade Warner have good days. We've seen Rakeem Jarrett really step up and draw a lot of hype uh, with some big plays. Devin Tompkins looks amazing. Yeah, Trey Palmer I, is is a stellar rookie so far. So I don't think this guy's locked into that number three wide receiver spot in the depth chart. I think he's penciled in, but it's not in pen. I get that there's sometimes you can't control injuries, especially a soft tissue one like yeah. like a hamstring injury. But 
this is really opening the door for everybody else. Like Devin Tompkins, I think because Mike and Chris, while they practiced, uh, they didn't do a ton in the team drills. Right. And again, un- understandably so. Like yeah. there's a long way to go. Yeah, they don't have to. Yeah, they don't have <laughs> to. Um, so a lot of the young players and undrafted free agents got the bulk of the reps. And you said it, yeah. Devin Tompkins, I think in my opinion, first day of practice, but we can only say what we saw. Devin right. Tompkins was probably one of the best receivers out there uh, in practice today. Caught a ball across the middle, immediately showed why he's – so elusive and just agility is off the charts team jarrett later in practice had ryan neal who we've talked about a ton how we have uh high expectations for ryan neal this year yeah rakeem jarrett had neal smothered all over him came with a tight catch uh in very very close proximity but yeah between devin Tompkins and rakeem jarrett someone is really going to impress that Maybe the the general public or the the national media wouldn't necessarily expect, and these wide receivers right. are taking advantage of it right away. Um, mm-hmm. A, a lot. I, I have to get to this, this comment here just because I'm yeah, a Wolverine that fan. Yeah. <laughs> so Kelly Buck says that Achilles regenerated like he's Wolverine. That's awesome. That's I love that. <laughs> Good stuff. Good uh, analysis for Kelly Bucks on, on Shaq Barrett's Achilles. Continue. Yeah, what, yeah, what I was going to say is um, we didn't see too many uh, overall like pass breakups or anything like that. And I what I think we're going to learn from, you know, the seven on sevens and and certain drills and sessions in practice is because the Bucks offense is going to be run so horizontally and mm-hmm. with the emphasis on yards after the catch that we've have talked about a lot it makes it tougher for the cornerbacks to even get their hand on the football. Cause it's like, yeah. if you get an inch of space, the ball is coming to you. And like, right. if you're dropping back in zone, especially in these drills, again, like last year's team and, and the Bruce Arians type of offense, big plays down the field. It gives you way more opportunities for, Oh, Mike's going deep one-on-one between Mike Evans and, and Carlton Davis mm-hmm. this year. You're and you know, there's more room for like, Oh, he made a nice play to force an incompletion or he got his yeah. hand on the football and there's a pass breakup. This year, not really going to happen too much. There's maybe one pass breakup during right. the drills. And unless there's big plays down the field, you're not necessarily going to see that as much. And that's not necessarily a bad thing for the Bucks defense. Right. It's just what the offense is running in front of them. Yeah. It might be a bad thing for Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean because they already have a tough time holding on to the football. Right. They're going to need <laughs> as many opportunities yeah. as they can. But I think that'll come in droves. And then we right. saw today, Scott, when – the Bucks offense had that opportunity. They took the shot downfield and they had yes. the big play between Baker Mayfield and Kate Otten. Oh, that was, that was a huge play. I think if not the first, maybe the first or second play of, yeah. of the 11 on 11s early in practice. Um, Kate Otten was open by what? 20 yards. I mean, seriously, yeah, like, yeah, like a minimum, no one around Kate Otten. Right. And so obviously it's like, you don't want to see that if you're on the defense because you had a, obviously a bust, but, but it's just a misdirection, right? That the the, um, the play action, the play action, you know, uh, waggle. Uh, Baker Mayfield was the starter today, and he delivered an absolute bullet down the field to Kate Otten, and it was. In I want to say, yeah, yeah. Pro- probably a 30, 35 yard gain down the field, and uh, just wide open. So uh, it, it was it was a good day for Baker Mayfield. I don't, I wouldn't say it was great, but. No. But you know, it, it was a good start. Uh, you no no interceptions from either quarterback. That's a good thing um, for for them. But I think it was a good start for Baker. 
Scott, still... there was there was something real quick. Uh, if yeah. you want to expand upon leadership wise, there was something that Baker Mayfield was doing before he even took a snap today. Yeah, that, I appreciate that, Matt, because I wrote about this in uh, in in the Bucks Camp Insider, and I also dropped that in the comments, so you can read that article too on PeterReport.com. One of the things that that I I noticed early on, and we talked about on as a Peter Report staff watching practice, was they start off practice with the calisthenics line, right? And that's just where they they do stretching, they do light jogging, and uh, the strength and conditioning coaches are kind of in control. And for 10 minutes, their players are getting warmed up. And to the left, you had all of the red jerseys as the defense. And to the right, you had all of the offensive guys in the white jerseys. There were two guys on, like, buried in to the red jerseys that weren't defensive players. And one of those was Baker Mayfield. The other was Rashad White. Baker Mayfield was nestled in between Vita Bea and Logan Hall. Yeah. He wasn't with any of the offensive players. And I think Rashad White saw that, saw what Baker was doing, and said, oh, I'm going to do that too. And it just, to me, that's leadership. Because you're not just the leader in the huddle with the 10 other guys that you have on the field. You're not just the leader of the offense in your side of the ball. If you're going to be a quarterback, you're going to be the leader of the entire team. And so Baker Mayfield, in his outreach to get to know these, these teammates of his and, and to truly establish himself as a leader, is, is in there with the defensive lineman. And it's like, that's just part of Baker's DNA. That's natural. He's, he's kind of a tough guy with some swagger. So he has no problem going up in there and saying hi to Vita and Logan Hall and, and just, yeah, just fitting in with those guys. And, and like, like that's why Levante David was singing Baker Mayfield's praises the other day about really winning over the locker room and just being one of the guys. And, and that's that's what Baker has been. Whether you like him or not, I'm telling you, folks, if you don't like Baker Mayfield, he's going to win you over. Now, if he throws a bunch of picks, you have every right to hate the guy. Yeah. <laughs> but I think he's more humble now than he was in Cleveland. He's had his comeuppance. He was the face of the franchise. And then, boom, he's traded to Carolina. Then, boom, he's cut and he's with the Rams. Then, boom, he's in Tampa. So the guy's been on four teams in one calendar year. But he has done everything right he's made all the right moves here in tampa so far and we'll see if that continues on the field but in the locker room and in situations like this baker mayfield is asserting himself as as qb1 if anyone knows how to meet new people it's baker mayfield with all the different teams he's played on uh, over <laughs> right. the last yeah. uh, you know year and a half yeah it, it's interesting to talk about because todd bowles spoke on this a little bit just the the overall leadership like does the quarterback have to be a leader because you heard chris yeah. godwin talk about it levante david very much so and it's not a divide between the teammates or anything like that but there's mm -hmm. clearly two different types of personalities and leadership qualities when it comes to baker mayfield and kyle trask and neither one is wrong by any means right. because they're not fighting with teammates or anything of that matter but it very much feels like that the players are gravitating towards baker a little yeah. bit more and that's a little surprising considering kyle trask has been in the room the yeah. last two years he's like, got a head start right no he has a head start and uh you know new offensive side just person to person teammate to teammate chemistry Kyle Trash should have way more of an advantage in that sense. But Todd Bowles was kind of asked about if it's concerning that 
Kyle Trask isn't as like fiery and rah-rah as Baker Mayfield is. And Bowles wasn't actually concerned about that. He said like anyone can really be a leader on this team. So let's uh, let's get this video real quick of Bowles talking about quarterback leadership. Yep. Or, or can you lead from a kind of more of a quieter place the way Trask does? Not all the time. I mean, leadership on offense can come from the old line, the receivers, or the running back. The quarterback naturally, because he's a signal caller and talks a lot and tells everybody what to do has to have some type of leadership skills and Kyle has that as well as Baker. Kyle's very vocal when he needs to be. I mean, he comes across as quiet, but he's very loud on the field. He's very confident in what he's doing. And we like the way he leads it and we like the way Baker leads it. Now Bull yeah, says just yeah, a different sorry. style, you know. I was gonna say because Bull says that Kyle is vocal when he needs to be. Mm-hmm. Not that like he wants to be vocal. So right. I I don't know. That's I don't know, just an interesting way of looking at it for sure. Yeah, Brian Greasy was not a rah-rah guy. Brad Johnson was not a rah-rah guy. Jeff Garcia was a rah-rah guy. Yeah. Tom Brady was a rah-rah guy. Jameis Winston was a rah-rah guy. So just because you you talk a lot and and you're really vocal doesn't mean you're going to be great. I mean, Jameis Winston, for example, uh, or it means that you might be great, like Tom Brady. So, um, but there's there's... <laughs> It, it's just one element of leadership. At the end of the day, the only thing the guys care about in that huddle is, are we getting first downs and more importantly, touchdowns? And that's the guy they're going to follow. It's uh, talk is cheap. If you can walk the walk as well as talk the talk, then even better. But I, I've seen in my near three decades of covering this team, there can be different leadership styles. Brad Johnson was just one of those kind of quiet, ho-hum guys, kind of like Kyle Trask. And it worked yeah. because there were some big personalities uh, on on this team at the time. Warren Sapp on defense, Keyshawn Johnson on offense. Uh, and he just played his part and did his role. And that's what Kyle Trask is kind of like. So um, we'll see. If Baker Mayfield throws more interceptions than Kyle, it doesn't matter. They're going to go with the quiet guy who's not throwing picks. So uh, it, it's it's not the deciding factor, but it is one of the factors that, that Baker does have um, an advantage on you want to talk the talk you got to walk the walk and if you're going to drink the drink we would all be drinking celsius energy drinks the official sponsor of the pewter report podcast make sure you check out their newest flavor the cosmic vibe it's a sparkling fruit punch uh absolutely delicious also can't go wrong with many of their other flavors or i should say all of their other flavors whether it's the yeah. sparkling lemon lime Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm... The Oasis vibe, one of their newer, not the newest, but one of their newer uh, flavors they got out there. Arctic vibe, peach vibe, tropical vibe, absolutely love. I'm actually drinking the strawberry lemonade right now, so I'm a big fan. Uh, No sugar, no uh, post-energy drink crash or jitters that you might get with another product out there. If you need to know where to go get a Celsius, go to the store locator on the Celsius website, punch in your address, and it'll show you the closest geographical location to go pick one up at your local Walmart, Target, convenience store, or your bodega. Bodega. 
And uh, after you do that and you know you want more, get the variety pack because the variety is the spice of life. You can get that by going over to Amazon. Do the subscribe and save. Have it sent to your residence every week, quarterly, monthly, yearly, whenever you want. Just make sure Celsius is your number one pick when you are drinking an energy drink. Celsius, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. And the thing is, too, they have a peach mango green tea. They've got a couple of green tea. So if you're not big into sparkling drinks, they have some that are, that are uh, green tea uh, infused. So uh, that's not my jam. Uh, I'm drinking the Oasis vibe right here. This is one of nice. my absolute favorites. Um, this is Celsius number two for me today because I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Uh, I'm not saying I was like excited for training camp, but I was kind of excited for training camp. So <laughs> um, I didn't sleep that good last night. I got up like at six this morning. Had an orange, and then this is my afternoon drink, the Oasis 5 Sparkling Prickly Pear in Lime. So, very good flavor. Very good for sure. Um, Scott, there was a... Oh, here's one thing. Here's one thing I, I, I want to do with everybody. So, tomorrow is Thursday, right? It's Friday, Junior. Okay, so if you're watching this Peter Report podcast sometime tomorrow morning, doesn't have to be crack of dawn, 6, 7, 8 o'clock, whatever. It can be 9, 10, whatever. I want all the pewter people because Celsius, they get a kick out of seeing people take pictures of Celsius, tag in Celsius official on Twitter, tag in pewter report. So I would love for Thursday, which I call Friday junior mm. uh, Thursday morning, tomorrow morning, take a picture of Celsius, post it on Twitter, tag Celsius official. That's their Twitter handle tag pewter report. And you know, with the ad symbol, and and let us know what flavor you're drinking. I'm just curious to see. I'd love to see all the different kind of flavors because there's so many flavors now. We talk about it all the time, Matt. They come out with new ones. Um, we're just I was talking with Brad Idzik today about Celsius. Like he comes up to me, he's like, I said, Hey, thanks for joining the Peter Report podcast this summer. He's like, I had a blast, man. He's like, it's like I'm still drinking Celsius. I'm like, I know you are. Oh yeah. <laughs> How could you not? So so do that tomorrow. Uh hit our Twitter feed with uh with what flavor you're starting your day with tomorrow i'm curious we will retweet you you tag us we yes. make sure we retweet you you'll end yep. up in uh peter reports twitter and social media which obviously is always fun as well because we love interacting with the pewter people yep exactly grizz says i roll out of bed at 11 a.m and don't for celsius to get my day started that's a heck of a way to start your day and yeah. uh <laughs> Rack of Tits 69 says, I guzzle Celsius every day. That's fantastic. Appreciate uh, that. I, hey. I only know about Celsius because of Peter Ward. That's, that's awesome. We appreciate that. Scott, there was a rookie that immediately stood out today and got the yes. attention of all of us at Buccaneers training camp today. And yep. that was our training camp diary yep. defensive lineman, of course, Kalijah Cansey. I mean, Oof. if you blinked, you may have missed Kalijah Cansey and what he was doing uh, on the defensive line today. Yeah, it, it's funny. Um, I, I texted Todd Bowles after practice, and I said, uh, Dave Canales needs to start charging Kalijah Cansey rent for living in the backfield because he was in the backfield so many times today, and, and I got the LOL from, from Bowles. But, I mean, I have not seen that much backfield penetration by any defensive lineman on a consistent basis. Uh, now, he wasn't wrapping up. He wasn't, yeah. you know, always at the point of attack. But he was consistently just getting into the backfield. 
And that's a good sign. Now, let's reserve uh, hype a little bit because there's no pads on, right? So it's a little bit easier. Sunday, when the pads come on, you know, we'll we'll see exactly what Kalaja Kansi can do. But I was watching him, I don't know, after the fourth or fifth time he got the backfield net, I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch this guy's get off because he's obviously making plays. But he was taking advantage of one-on-ones and beating his man. He was uh, beating double teams. Surprisingly, he wasn't just situated as the 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 three technique in the B gap, getting that one on one in the weak side shoulder of the or the inside or uh, mm. outside shoulder of the guard. Uh, what he was doing sometimes was he was on the strong side, and B Devea was on the weak side, and he was still beating double teams on the on the tight end side. So I was pretty impressed with this first start by Kalaja Kansi, and as you mentioned, Matt, Kalaja Kansi is our training camp diary rookie this year on the defensive side. And I spoke with Tristan Wirfs, who is going to be our offensive player for the Bucks uh, diary, Bucks training camp diary. Mm. That's going to be on Peter Report tomorrow. Tristan had some fantastic things to say. He talked about his battles with Shaq Barrett today, as well as what he did this summer, and some really impressive weightlifting numbers that he and Luke Gedeke put up this summer. And uh, he said Luke was lifting stride for stride with Tristan in terms of bench press, squats, all that stuff. So uh, I know Luke Gedeke goes by Luke the lifter. That's yes. like his moniker. And Tristan looks bigger than, than Luke does, right, Matt? Yeah, but, which is but which pound is for pound, But pound for pound, strength for strength, Luke is just as strong as Tristan, which is crazy. Yeah, but, Tristan, Tristan and Luke Edeke are two peas in the pot. They were yeah, hanging out. They really all, became good friends. Yeah, really good friends. They've been hanging out all summer, pretty much since really since the season ended. And I think that's great. I mean, obviously, who doesn't love a great friendship? But I think it's great in particular for Luke Edeke because Tristan Wirfs is already a star when it comes yeah. to offensive linemen and a star in Tampa. And we all know what happened with Luke Edeke his first year. It it didn't really go that well, and obviously not every Bucks fan right. is in love with him. So to have someone in his corner, let alone the best offensive tackle on the team and one of the best offensive tackles in the league, and right. now he's playing the same position as Tristan, yeah. that's only going to go leaps and bounds yeah. fantastic for uh, for Luke Gedeke in that situation. And to go back to Kalijah Kansi again real quick, not only was he making – move after move into the backfield. It wasn't just like it was in one session. Like the Bucks no. obviously break things up. They go 11 <laughs> on 11 and then seven on right. sevens and back to it and, and red zone and all these different things. Kalijah Kansi was doing it all day. Yeah. All day, or at least for the two hours that practice is going on. And if he's a long way to go with the double teams, but if yeah. he can take care of the double teams right now, which is probably the biggest concern with him is can he, deflect those double teams when they right. decide to go at him, then this defensive line is going to be, I mean, with a healthy Shaq Barrett on the oh, edge yeah. and yeah. Kalijah Kansi outperforming yeah. what many think of him, yeah. even though he's their first round pick, like sure. this defensive line is going to sink their teeth into uh, the trenches of the yeah. opponent and going in front of them. So it's great that we have two, uh, two guys in the trenches for the training camp diaries. Yeah, it, no doubt about it. I love the trenches and it's where it all starts. That's, that's football to me is I yeah. played offense and defensive line in high school and coach defensive line and a little bit offensive line and, and pop Warner. And it just, 
I, I love the, the trench warfare aspect of it. And in talking with Kalaja Kansi, and you read the diary, Matt, you know, he, he talked about, um, you know, getting to, to do some, some uh, twisting, right. And some stunts and crossing yeah. the face of those, mm. those uh, uh, offensive linemen. And they really didn't even do any of that today. It's I know. Mostly just <laughs> hitting the gaps. And so he was just full bore uh, getting it done. Um, but yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's the real deal, man. I, 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 if, if he's not going to be Aaron Donald, I mean, Donald's a freak and, and he deserves to be in his own category, but I think this guy's going to be somewhere between Aaron Donald and Ed Oliver. Right. Okay. And, and, and that's a good place to be. Both those yeah. guys are first rounders. And of course you got Kalaja Kansi, who's the Bucks first rounder this year. I, I just think that he's going to be better than Ed Oliver. And gosh, if he's a poor man's Aaron Donald, okay, good. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, usually when you're the poor man something or like uh, yeah. any type of comparison, it's not a good thing. But a poor man's Aaron Donald isn't the worst thing uh, right. of all time. Yeah. We actually well, spoke – yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, the, the last thing on Kalaja Kansu, and he said this in the diary, it's definitely worth reading. Uh, we'll do another diary with him probably Sunday after the first day in pads. But he said that he really has the benefit of going up against Matt Filer, who's a mountain of a man, 6'6", 330 yeah. pounds, right? <laughs> Doesn't get much taller than him. Yeah. I mean, he's just a huge guy that just engulfs you, right? So he's he's a massive guy at left guard. And then he's got Cody Malk, who's a very athletic, six foot five, 305 pound, more of a quicker, agile, athletic, kind of nasty guard. So... He has two really good different looks to yes. be able to get ready for, for the NFL season in-house already. So he's – and then you throw in like Nick Leverett, right, who's mm. more his size, who's very scrappy, a good technician. There's a lot of different types of guards on this Buccaneer team that he is going to be getting a lot of good looks from. So when he goes up against another team, when he goes up against Minnesota in week one on, yeah. you know, on game days, he's going to be able to – have been the, through you know, the experience, yeah, through the full gambit of of size and speed and athleticism and strength from different types of offensive linemen in Tampa, and I think that's really going to prepare him for the season well. Yeah, that's a tremendous point, Scott. That the Bucks' offensive line comes in all different shapes and sizes. Even like Robert Hainsey, who was a starter yeah. last year because of Ryan Jensen's injury, um, going to be the top backup this year. But even he put on a lot more weight, but we actually yeah. spoke to Kalijah Kansi yesterday and the title of the training camp diary and what Kalijah talked about a lot. was that this defense specifically the scheme fits him like a glove. So we yeah. asked him about that as well. When uh, we got to talk to him and this was his response. In our defense, we do a lot of movement and that's something that I came from um, doing it in college um, where I'm able to move lateral across the office of linemen's face because of my speed. I'm able to, beat guys across the face, um, go outside, inside. And that's something that we do here that's similar to what I did in college. Uh, just me being able to move around. Yeah, I remember last year, Scott, one of the things we were hyping up and getting excited about was that the defensive line, because before that they had Indomitian Sue, who was good in his own right, but wasn't yeah. exactly the speed type of guy, right. that they never ran like stunts and, and different yeah. different type of things like that. And they implemented it last season, but it kind of didn't always work because Akeem Hicks yeah. got injured a, a fair amount and you need mm -hmm. the right guys to do it. This is part two of the stunts and twists and everything like that. And now you got someone that excels in it. 
with right. Elijah Cansey. And again, it's more things that the Bucks defense hadn't been doing previously. Yeah. And we're still a really damn good defense. And right. now they're just adding another layer to the confusion and the chaos that is an offense trying to understand what Todd Bowles is going to scheme up. That's right. And we talked about Will Golston coming back, you know, coming off a season where he had zero sacks, he had four and a half, uh, you know, two years ago in, in 2021, but now it's going to be Kalijah Kansi and Logan Hall who yeah. has gotten bigger. That's Logan Hall. Now folks, he looks like a man. I'm not saying he looked like a boy last year, but it's like, well, this cutting their hair this year. Logan Hall yeah. cut his hair. Vita Vey cut his hair. Tristan Wirf's got a haircut as well. So yeah. uh, the Bucks mean business this year. Uh, yeah, they're they're looking tight. But the thing with with Logan Hall is he just he's kind of reshaped his body a little bit, and he's stronger, um, more physical, and closer to 300 pounds. So uh, it, it's and, and of course he's still very athletic, not yes. as fast, not as athletic as Kalijah Kansi, but still uh, head and shoulders in terms of quickness and athleticism and agility, better than an Akeem Hicks, better than a Will Golston, better than an Indomitian Sue, better than a Rakeem Nunez-Roches. So he and Kalajah Kansi have a chance to really be an athletic one-two punch on this, this Bucks defensive line. And, it, you know, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Monty Kiffin days back when the Bucks had a very quick, undersized defensive front. Sometimes you can stop the run before it starts with those tackles for loss, the backfield penetration. And yeah, but if you don't, it can be a long day at the office. We've seen those Buccaneer teams of, of yesteryear with Brad Culpepper playing nose tackle at 275, sap at about 300. You know, sometimes if you just can't stop the run, it can be for a long day. It can make for a long day because you just don't have the size to hold up. But as we've we've seen over the last couple of years, as this Todd Bowles defense has slipped a little bit in the run game, Matt, it's because teams are getting to the outside and those bigger defensive tackles there. They're just not even running and testing the middle. They're just hitting the outside and and trying to uh, make those defensive linemen play chase and and they lose their gap integrity because they're not fast enough to get out there and and, and chase the ball in a zone scheme and. And, and they've been susceptible to giving up some big runs on the perimeter. So now you've got a, a guy like Kalajah Kansi who can go sideline to sideline yeah. as a defensive tackle, not just your linebackers, but a defensive tackle. Logan Hall the same way. So it, it really has changed the, the, the ball game for Todd Bowles up front, not just rushing the passer, getting the penetration, but having the speed to counter some of those zone schemes that, that get you going sideline to sideline where all of a sudden – you know, you're trying to get upfield. Now, all of a sudden, your gap just moved over a couple feet, and you got to you got to run and fit that gap now. Right. Th- that's the hope with Kalijah Kansi is that speed will obviously counteract a, a lot of those plays and that movement. And Logan Hall just getting more playing time. I mean, the benefit of Logan Hall when they drafted him, the thing that he brought to to his game is that he had speed, but he just you know wasn't utilized. Enough, and we even saw that a little bit today. the The Bucks ran a jet sweep. I won't say what player because I don't want to give away that type of information. But yeah, uh, the Bucks ran a jet sweep to uh, the left side of the line, and Joe Tryanchenko was there at outside linebacker, and it was a good job by both tight ends co- yeah. trying to like seal the edge and, and and form a double team. And the blocking technique and everything was fine, but JTS just kept with the running back, kept with the running back, and right. you know that's your job is to to seal the edge. 
get that running back to the sideline, keep going as horizontal as possible so everyone else can run up, whether it's the linebacker, whether it's the corner, everyone else can pursue and get to that line of scrimmage before they start turning up the field. It was just a nice football play. You know, the tight end's doing their job. Joe Tryon-Shanka doing his job as well. And especially if Devin White can kind of turn his game around as well, those runs to the outside that hurt the Bucs last season on defense. They can get shut down. And improve Devin White, speed with Kalijah Kansty and Logan Hall, and obviously a little bit better play from uh, Joe Tryon-Shanka and, of course, a healthy Shaq Barrett. And, um, you know, not like the defense was broken, but you just got to tighten the screen in a couple of different places and uh, off to uh, a solid start in in one yeah, thinking about uh, Rakeem Nunez Rochez, we call him Nacho. Everybody calls him Nacho, who's now with the Giants, was injured in a minor car accident just outside of team headquarters up there in training camp um, up there in New Jersey. And so uh, he's, I guess he's in concussion protocol, suffered minor injuries. So certainly thinking about him. Friend yeah, of the program. Nacho. Great guy, you know. Um, Wish him well. Yeah, certainly. Uh, yeah, but, sure. uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how this I, – I feel better about the defensive front than I do the secondary. And I like the starters, but we really have to kind of see some depth there because we know Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis, Antoine Winfield Jr., uh, Ryan Neal, none of those players, none of those four starters that I just mentioned started all 17 games last year. They yeah. it, Each one missed at least two games. So that's where – you have to develop some really good depth. And in the nickel cornerback position, which we talked about uh, at length yesterday in our training camp battles uh, preview, that's going to be one to keep an eye on. And I don't think that's going to be decided anytime soon. I think that's going to go probably all the way through the, the preseason games. D. Delaney, Josh Hayes, Chris Izian, um, Zion McCollum. There's a lot of candidates there. And that's, that's a position I'm going to continue to watch on the defensive side here. Uh, we appreciate all these thumbs ups uh, and, and the thumbs up, the likes. We appreciate those folks were well over 11,000. Thanks to you, Peter people. We love you guys. And it's, it's absolutely awesome. The support we get here from the Peter report podcast, the popularity of the, the podcast continues to grow. Hope you enjoyed all the summer content we had. Gosh, we had, a, we had more Buccaneers we've ever had in yeah. one compact uh, summer. We had Rashad white, Cody Malk, Luke, Luke Gedeke, Payne Durham, Dave Canales, Payne Durham, uh, Dave Canales, Brad Idzik, Jose Rondé Ramirez, Barber, Jose Rondé Ramirez. Barber. Yeah, I mean that's that was a hell of a lineup. And now yeah. we're into football season, so make sure that you are watching the Peter Report podcast. And when you do, leave us a comment. We'd love to go through the comments. And you know, if you like the podcast, let us know. If you don't like it, well, don't let us know that. But <laughs> but uh, every time that you leave a comment or you you give us a thumbs up with a like it it boosts our algorithm for the the youtube algorithms and it puts yeah. us more out there in terms of more pewter people finding us and more buccaneer fans finding us so you guys can help us out with those likes and comments that's really what youtube is is after so appreciate everybody tuning into the pewter report podcast the other way that you can help us too is to support our advertising partners and uh, we're thrilled to have eric gross who is a top realtor in Tampa. The Eric Gross Group is the official realtor of Peter Report. Now, Eric 
is not just a Bucks fan. He is a Pewter Report diehard. He watches the Pewter Report podcast, probably watching right now. Avid Pewter Report reader. And he is leading a team that if you have uh, any real estate needs, whether you're buying or selling a home, this is the guy and this is the group for you. It takes a full team effort to win a football game. It takes a full team effort to win in real estate. The Eric Gross Group has done hundreds of transactions in this crazy real estate market and has experience in all types of situations. Eric, as I mentioned, an avid Pewter Report reader and a Tampa native whose father was actually stationed at McDill Air Force Base. So he's got roots here in the wow. Tampa Bay area. Awesome. He and his team have the market knowledge, the top-notch communication, and commitment to excellent service that sets them apart. With their strong team of, of vendors and a network of over 85,000 agents, the Eric Gross Group will turn your dreams of buying or selling a home into a reality. Their clients are not just transactions. They are lifelong friendships. I've gotten to know Eric. He's a great guy. Why wouldn't you want to do business with another Buccaneer fan, with somebody who you already have something in common with, right? Don't let the stress of buying or selling a home keep you out of the game. Let the Eric Gross Group take the pressure off. Find them on Facebook or Instagram at Eric Gross Group. Check out their website. You got to check out the website. It's a phenomenal real estate website, housesinfla.com. That's Florida, housesinfla.com. Or give them a call at 513-907-4271. No matter where you are in your home ownership journey, even if you just want to take a peek and see what's out there, see what maybe you can afford, or maybe you know get, get an appraisal on your house, check out their website, housesinfla.com. You'll feel at home with the Eric Gross Group, the official realtor of Pewter Report. Check them out. Please uh, support our sponsors of Pewter Report and the Pewter Report podcast. Scott, you're just talking about business. Um, speaking of that topic of business, a lot of people are talking about the running back position and the lack of payment that some of these star running backs yeah. Yeah. are getting. Uh, we spoke to Rashad White today. Again, the media darling of the Buccaneers. Anywhere you look, <laughs> Rashad White is doing an interview somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but this one's a little closer to home because Rashad is a running back and yeah. he's obviously only going into his second year. So he's not at that level of getting the big payday that Saquon Barkley mm -hmm. and Josh Jacobs are, are both. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them with Royal Caribbean? You don't just go to the beach. You visit a private Island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Looking for, you know, Saquon just signed his one-year deal. But that yeah. was a really interesting perspective from Rashad. Because he understands that I just got to focus on me right now yeah. and I'll worry about the money when it comes later, but he could also sympathize with those players at the same time. So he had a really interesting take on the whole thing. We're going to play this video from Rashad and uh, his thoughts on the, the topic of the running back, which has kind of sweeped the NFL world. Yeah. Honestly, it just, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, I have a lot to go out there and prove and got to prove. So, you know, it ain't really affect, affected me, obviously. So, um, I, I, of course, feel some like bad and feel far. I mean, of course, the guys like, of course, Saquon, things like that. I, I always felt the best player on whatever team should, should be paid. Uh, you want the best player in the league, so of course. But 
Um, and you know, it was just kind of, it's tough, you know, you can't, I don't know how to really explain it, but I just kind of focus on me, my job, and what I'm trying to go out there and do uh, for the team this season for for Bucks. Oh yeah, for sure. And yeah, I can sympathize with them and things like that, of course, because they, you know, of course you wonder if you go out there and put some years together, like, wouldn't you get paid? But at the end of the day, uh, I mean, as I see Saquon, just take that deal, and, and, and that's how I am. Uh, I mean, you know, you see he love football. I mean, he want to play, and, and that's a great thing to have. Because I mean, I, at the end of the day, I, I think he go out there and play and things like that. He gonna get an opportunity somewhere. So. Do you think that there's kind of an overall misunderstanding on, on just how fast the, the role of a running back is and, and all the different responsibilities you have? Yeah, I mean, it's just tough because I don't really like look too deeply into it. For me, I, I mean, like for me, I, I'm kind of a simple guy, so it's just like what I understand too, what they were saying, I believe it's true. So like, okay, you can do all this um, pro bowls, all pro things like that, but when we pay you the money, we're paying you for what you can bring to us these next, you know, whatever, how long the deal is, few years. So, I mean, certain things, like, I understand, but it's just, like, for me, at the biggest thing, to me, I'm, like, simple. So, it's, like, is that guy the best, is the best player? Is he one of the best players on the team? Um, you know, is he the best player in this league? And if he is, I just think, regardless, he should, he should get paid. I mean, yeah, the touches, things like that. I mean, I've seen uh, what Nick said, Chubb, and, like, you go for 2,000-yard season, and, yeah, you can value, and that's just kind of the way it should be. Um, which is tough because you'll be, you know, judged off of that. Like, you know, but it's like if you go for a 2,000-yard season, but then go for a, whatever, 1,500, there's nothing wrong with that. I remember I was watching some because I did a study, like Chris Johnson, things like that. I said he went for the 2,000-yard season, but then the next year he had like 1,400. So, yeah, I mean, you see things like that. But at the end of the day, it's like if he won the best player in the change, yeah, he should be paid. <laughs> You could tell Rashad White just loves football. Like he's throwing yeah. out Chris Johnson references, CJ2K, as uh, as everyone remembers. Right. Uh, but like the way he summed it up was, if you're important to your team, regardless of what position you are, you probably should get paid. And I think it's a really tricky topic with the payments of running backs because, on the one hand, you can find an undrafted free agent or a seventh rounder right. to get the job done, as we saw with you know with other teams that have been successful in the league. But on the other hand, it's a really bad and disparaging look when, like, with all due respect to this position, but when kickers right. are getting paid more than running backs. So I don't yeah. really know what the answer is, but I do feel like running backs should kind of get their due one way or another. I don't know what that answer is, but I, I definitely feel bad for running backs. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. The thing is, is when you look at all of the offensive positions, now granted quarterbacks, sometimes they're in a very um, injury prone position, right? Like when you're getting ready to launch the ball, if you've watched the quarterback on Netflix, you saw Kirk cousins, right? He's get, you know, he throws the ball, the rib cage is exposed yeah. and he gets drilled, right? Just, and then, planted into the ground so quarterbacks aside uh, tight ends wide receivers they catch the ball they might have you know one or two guys tackle them whatever i mean we've seen chris godwin get you know his knee taken out so it it, it can be brutal anywhere on the field when you when you're running back you're getting the ball behind the line of scrimmage right there are 11 guys on the defense that are keying on you yeah. and all, and flowing to the ball. So no position takes a pounding more than running backs. And that's good, and that's also bad. It's good for running backs because 
you know, they're an important part of, of the game still and today, even though it's been more of a passing league with the rule changes, the running game, I think, is enjoying a little bit of a renaissance. A little bit, yeah. At the same time, though, it, it takes a beating. It takes a pounding. And you have receivers that can still maintain greatness into their 30s. You don't see that with running backs, right? Um, Adrian Peterson getting 30 or, you know, getting a thousand yards at age 32 or something that that's kind of rare. Um, so it, it's tough. I love running backs. I love the running game. It's a sentimental thing. John Riggins, when I grew up a Washington Redskins fan that he was, he was my, my idol. Right. And, yeah. and so I, 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 I understand that at the same time, I have to look at the modern day NFL and running back is kind of a, a plug-and-play position. And Dave Canales in Seattle, they know that better than yeah, anyone. Yeah, they, he proved it. <laughs> yeah, they, they spent a first-round pick on Rashad Penny, but they've had a 1,000-yard rusher with Chris Carson, the seventh-round pick. Uh, you had uh, Thomas Rawls come in as an undrafted free agent and get, I think, 800 yards and, and lead the, the team in rushing one year. So it, it's it's a tough situation for running backs. I can I can see and understand both sides of it. I do wonder for, you know, people like kids going into high school or the first couple of years of high school and they think they have the talent to make it at the college football level. I'm curious, like how many go, oh, I don't want to play running back. Like you have no shot in the NFL if, if you yeah. go in as a running back because your right. career is going to be so short versus I'll just play wide receiver. And even if I'm fourth string wide receiver, I could play 15 years in the NFL. I am curious yeah. about the – the youth of uh, of our country in terms of football, what yeah. uh, you know, what what type of ramifications that will have on it? Yeah, and and that's another thing too is is uh, you know that that's why um, you're you're not seeing a lot of great defensive tackles. There used to be a ton of really good athletic defensive tackles yeah. in the NFL. And now Ed Rusher is, is well, yeah. And I've had conversations with Jason Light. He says. You know, he said what they're doing is if you can, if you're athletic and you're a big guy, boom, they're putting you at offensive tackle, right? Yeah, that's that they're just plucking you, and and all of a sudden you're on the offensive side of the ball, and those guys get paid, right? So Tristan works, Tristan works going to make a an absolute ton of money, yeah, uh, when he cashes in. But that's kind of why you don't see as many dominant defensive tackles in the NFL anymore. You know the the six foot five, three hundred and twenty pound guys. They're becoming offensive tackles. They're not defensive tackles uh, anymore. So uh, you've got a couple here and there. The Georgia guys. They've had a couple. You know, Kalaja Kansi undersized. He wasn't going to play offensive tackle. But but Real, uh, yeah. on Georgia, are they going to win the national championship again this year? Why not? I mean, I don't know. Tom Munkin's gone. He he right. was he he gets a lot of credit. He's now in Baltimore. Going to be calling plays for Lamar Jackson. I'm a Georgia fan. Yeah, uh, there's still a lot of talent there. There really is. So I'm. Uh, I wouldn't discount Georgia because I think they're almost at Alabama's level where they just reload, right? And yeah. they still have uh, quite a few. The defense is going to be great. Troy Bowles is going to be interesting to watch mm-hmm. because he's going to be a, a, a freshman. I, I got to ask Todd if they're going to redshirt him or if he's going to be playing as a true freshman. So, but that's. That's going to be interesting. Well, if you want to bet on Georgia to win the national championship this year, you can go and do it over at mybookie.ag. They also got a new and improved online casino that is here to change the game. 
Dive into truly realistic casino experiences featuring the latest in slots, progressive jackpots, and live dealer action, all from the comfort of your own home. Your adventure at the MyBookie Casino begins today with a generous sign-up bonus using the promo code PEWTER, that's P-E-W-T-E-R, to secure yourself a sweet deposit bonus. And that's not all, because their revamped loyalty program ensures that you'll be showered with rewards including free spins, cashback offers, and a host of exclusive VIP perks. The more you play, the more you win. So play anytime, anywhere with the MyBookie Casino. You could also get up to $1,000 with your first deposit bonus using that promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you know that that is a heck of a deal thousand dollars free in your account if you yep. sign up on mybookie.ag using that promo code pewter p-e-w-t-e-r i think this is year five of me playing my bookie and it's just fantastic their app is is so easy to use it's a great website to navigate um i i love playing with my bookie so folks we we implore you please sign up at my bookie take advantage of that promo code um, double your, your money from your initial deposit and get ready for a football season because it, it's so much fun to, you know, listen, we all think, Hey, I know who's going to win this game. Okay. Put your money where your mouth is. Go to my book yeah. and get it done. So, uh, I, I'm, I definitely want y'all to sign up at my bookie. It's good stuff. Uh, Cam says, I thought you were, I can't, whoa, not whoa. new. Whoa. Horses. <laughs> you forgot the word state in there, buddy. That's Kansas state university. That's, that's, uh, that's the football school. Um, KU still good in basketball, although, you know, we were elite eight last year. Yeah. KU got bounced early. So, um, but yeah, Kansas state, uh, that's my school, but Ashley, my wife's from Georgia. So also a big Georgia Bulldogs fan going back years. So that's kind of my one, two punch in, in football. So. Yeah, go. there you go. Cool stuff. Uh, we also had, um, some, we have a question here, Matt, you want to handle yeah, this quick evaluation of Kyle Trask's day. Yeah. Uh, if, we didn't mean to skip over Kyle Trask. We yeah. just, I don't know, we had a lot of topics to get to. Yeah, Kyle Trask, wouldn't... I thought, was fairly good. I thought he was a little more accurate than Baker Mayfield. Baker yeah. had the big play to Kate Otten, but, I mean, that was more Kate Otten being wide open than anything right. else. I thought Kyle Trask was probably a little more accurate than uh, Baker Mayfield He's today. a pass in between two defenders, and I want to say Winfield was one of them. Right to Chris Godwin. I mean, just a laser, probably 15 yards, right? Crossing route and just hit Godwin right in stride, right between two defenders. It was easily the hardest pass and the best pass of the day. As you mentioned, hey, uh, that was a layup for Baker Mayfield hitting a wide open Kate Otten. But I agree with you, Matt. I think Kyle Trask's laser shot to, to Chris Godwin was was the play of the day in the passing game. And credit to Kyle Trask as well, because there was a lot of discussion this offseason during OTAs and, and minicamp and now coming to training camp that and Trask spoke about it as well, that he was trying to get more lean to be in this offense. And mm -hmm. he's moving around really, really well. Um, he's commanding things, I would say, yeah. pretty solid. He put in the work and the effort this offseason to give himself the most advantageous opportunity to win this job. And right. it might be a little bit of an uphill battle, but. Uh, he's not. I don't think he's going to have issues with the the QB waggles and um, all the different motions and the things that are required of the quarterback in this type of offense. So credit to Kyle Trask. He's lean and mean. He's a yeah. lean, mean quarterback fighting machine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, real quick, Cam's how quick question. How do you become a Buccaneers fan if you grew up a Washington fan? Well, I was born in Alexandria, Virginia. 
And, and so uh, my mother was a huge Redskins fan. That was my first team. I didn't have a choice in that, but I, I liked jo- Joe Theismann, the fun bunch, the hogs. Uh, I named my, one of my first dogs manly for Dexter manly uh, John Riggins I, every, in second grade every day wore John Riggins Jersey to, to school. So that was kind of my first team. Then uh, parents got divorced, moved out to Kansas, Kansas city to be exact Overland park, Kansas, as Chris Oxentine knows and became a chiefs fan. It's funny because the chiefs team I watched uh, Marty Schottenheimer was the head coach. Bill Cowers, the defensive coordinator, Bruce Arians was the running backs coach. Tony Dungy was the defensive backs coach. Albert uh, Lewis uh, was one of the cornerbacks. The other cornerback was Kevin Ross, who's now yeah. the Bucks defensive coach. So um, it just, you know, it, that, that, that's, that's where it all started. And then my grandfather grew up in St. Petersburg, or I should say vacation Florida. in St. Petersburg, Florida. And we, was, we used to come down on vacation. And everyone's a Chiefs fan up in Kansas City, and I was too. But um, – I grew to love the lovable losers in orange and white. They were my NFC team. I wanted to be a little different back in Kansas, you know, so I kind of last on to the Buccaneers. Subscribe to this publication called Buccaneer Magazine back in college, and that's where it all started for me. So that's how I became uh, the publisher of now Peter Report. It was Buccaneer Magazine back in the day, but uh, that's that's how it started. Uh, I, I started off as a subscriber, and we don't have subscriptions anymore, but we do have a website you can visit, right, Matt? Yes, we do. Make sure you check out pewterreport.com and follow us on all of our social media on uh, Twitter, also known as X, Facebook, Threads, and Instagram. We are at Peter Report. Had a lot of great content out uh, today, and we'll continue yeah. to do so. And, of course, our YouTube channel is Peter Report TV. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Again, more and more content every single day uh, with the podcast and various clips, which you're going to see a lot more now because training camp has started. We have one yeah. up of Shaq Barrett that we played on the show today. And we're going to talk way more about training camp over tomorrow. the next month or so tomorrow at 4 p.m. So for Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thank you everybody for watching. And we'll see you tomorrow at four for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out. Shaq is back. Shaq is back. Shaq is back.